Skype. But right now, we're going to talk to somebody, man, I haven't talked to him forever. Okay. JR? Tony? JR Brow? Yeah, man, I know you. <laughs> we know each other. I'm going to tell you how we know each other. First off, uh, let me introduce you to um, to our audio. Uh, we are speaking with J.R. Brow, extremely a funny man who is at the best comedy club in the city this weekend. He is at Rick Brunson's House of Comedy, which is at 5350 East High Street, and you can access tickets easily. Uh, there's a couple ways to do it. You can go to uh, either of our websites, ComedySchoolsRadio.com, ComedySchools.com, or you can just Google House of Comedy. Uh, their website is HouseOfComedy.net, and purchase tickets to see this very funny guy, J.R. Brow. Now, J.R., have you figured out yet how we know one another? No, but it's... Uh... I used to hang out at a bus station in Gatlinburg, Mississippi, and young guys would come... No, here... <laughs> that was me. That was you. Was there you go. Hey, mister, I'd like to be a star. Well, come on in here. Um, <laughs> I was I was one of the owners of Joker's Comedy Club way back in the 90s, and I also booked a comedy club in Amarillo, Texas, ah. and I used to book you in to the clubs. Absolutely. Okay. Wow. It's a, that's a, that's awesome. I, I, like I, when I, I said, call Tony Mitchell. I'm going to call Tony Mitchell and say hi before I say anything. <laughs> I've never stopped doing this. No, you have never stopped doing it, man. And uh, um, you were one of the guys. Uh, just let me let me tell you a quick story. You were one of the guys when uh, back uh, during that period of time. You were fairly new. When did you start exactly? Uh, I started in '91. I hit the road running. Yeah, yeah, you hit the road, and so this is like mid-90s, you know, and uh, um, you're one of the guys we would watch, and we'd go, this guy is good, and he is going to get better. There's some guys, you look at them and go, that's it, this is where they're at. Now, you could be wrong sometimes, you know, yeah. but you go, this is this is what you're going to get from this guy, this guy's, this is where he is. And you're one of those guys, you go, this guy's going to keep growing, and he's going to keep being funny. So, um, uh, well, thank you. My, my wife said that too. She said, eventually you'll be funny. <laughs> well, your wife, uh, who I don't know, but I can tell from your videos, uh, is really involved with making sure that you're funny because she's constantly oh, yeah. finding new ways. I, I watch a hilarious, and I'm not just saying that, a hilarious video of you where you've got something. I, now, you know, you're pressing buttons and your voice is changing, but it's, it's some guys <laughs> who use that kind of stuff. It's just, oh, it'll change my voice, and that'll be the funny thing. You're actually then using that, that instrument that creates kind of a sound effect in your voice and then being very funny with it. And your wife bought you it for the you. Auto-tune. The yeah, auto-tune. The auto-tune. Yeah. Yeah, she, she said, because uh, she knows I'm in a band on the side, she goes, this will help, help your voice. This will make you a better singer. I said, <laughs> what are you saying? She goes, well, you know, that's how they do it these days. You don't need to have talent. So let's, uh, let's, let's give you the talent. Let's buy it. And uh, I said, well, now let's turn it into a tax deduction because it's going up on the stage. <laughs> I, use it, I use it every night. And actually, it's, it's, a, major, it's a major part of my new album uh, called Dick Move. That is the name of my album. Dick Move, yeah, where you're doing the uh, Barry White voice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Can't do it without the pedals, but yeah. No, but I mean, I mean, you know, I've watched guys over the years, especially with real young comics, and they'll want to use... Um, uh, a lot of props, and I, I don't dislike prop comics, 
uh, or, or they'll want to use music. And I, I don't, I don't dislike musical acts. I like all, I like all kinds of stuff, you know, which is one of the things that sustained me in this business for a long time. But they'll then expect, or they'll come out in some crazy outfit, and they'll think that's going to be the funny. But you early on figured out, well, there's a lot of ways to deliver humor. I can stand here and talk, or I can stand here and create songs on my own, or song parodies, or use any sort of equipment, but I still got to make it funny, and that's what you're able to do. Thanks. Yeah, it's, a, it's like a variety show. That's what I would describe my show as. People will go, what, what, do you, what would you say you do? You know, that's basically that line from Office Space. Uh, I pretty much just, uh, uh, first, you know, first part of the show, I'll, I'll tell some really, you know, decent observational humor and then I slip into, uh, some impressions and then, uh, it just gets crazier each, uh, like every, every five, ten minutes it gets crazier and crazier. And that's the way I'd like to do it, is make build, 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 and then see you later. So, who, so you started in nine, you started in 91, okay? So you yeah. started, you start and, and, I know that the guys who started in the early 90s really loved it and really, and I'm going to explain in a moment, and really, when I really have no choice, this is what I got to do, because the boom, the first boom was over by about Mm -hmm. 91, 92. There were people who got involved in the early, I got involved in the mid-80s, not knowing, I would just, some comics said, you should try this, I was living in Hollywood, and I lived around the corner from the Laugh Factory, and I had no idea there was even a road but I knew people that started because there was this huge, massive explosion of comedy clubs across the United States from yeah. the early 80s into right about the time you started, it collapsed. So guys like you were starting as it, the business was falling apart at the time. Absolutely. It, and it, uh, it, for me, it was to, uh, to figure out how many clubs were in the country. And to give you a perspective, Tony, uh, when, when I started, there were about five hundred clubs available for comedy with about 2,000 comics uh, going for them. And so the math was you could still, you know, be working all the time. Today there are over 20,000 comics or people that call themselves comics and about 300 rooms. So it's really, you know, the, the fight is on for the, you know, you better, you better bring your talent. You better bring it, you know, you better bring your funding. And I've always, I've always liked that challenge anyway, so... Yeah. Absolutely, you know, and uh, the other thing I was saying is I, I, I watch your vi- and you know I watch your videos, and and your name had come up over the years, you know, as I was doing various things. Uh, uh, once I uh, uh, sold that club, but um, uh, yeah, your your stage, it's uh, you go. There's a pro. There's a guy who you know if you've been watching comedy for a long time, and watch what the perspective I have as a comic, or also as an owner or booker. Or, or all the yeah, and I'm watching them go. There's a pro. It is, it is smooth and polished without looking saccharine one bit. It's like I tell you what, you just look. It looks like you're at home. It's like you've invited a bunch of people into your house. I think we should meet at that bus station, Tony. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, well, you know, I, I love what I do, and it's, it's uh, in, in the times we live in, as crazy as the world is, it's still always good to forget them for about you know 45 minutes to an hour and a half. You know, that's that's what my job is. That's why I love it. That's why I love doing this. Let me let me ask you, you know. this, following up a little bit. You, like I said, do you almost? I know for some comics that the place they feel most at home is when they're on stage, and that's you know. And like I said, it, it looks like they're in their house. Is that one of the places you feel most at home? Yeah, because I can't even write the joke sitting here. I have to just get. I have the idea. 
they'll write it down and they'll go to the stage and then they'll talk to them like they're my friends because that's what people always say to me. It sounds like you're really communicating to them. And well, I kind of am. I mean, you talk to me at home, I'm a, I'm a shell of a man, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. My, <laughs> my wife would say that. I'm a recluse, man. No, I, I, uh, I just like, I still like it. And I, I think that's what really keeps me going. I like it a lot. Now, now you're married. Do you have kids? No, we have uh, pit bulls. I think that's good enough. That's yeah. That, that's harder than kids. Um, right. Uh, how many pit bulls do you have? Two, and that's enough. Uh, I'll tell you. I yeah, they tug a war with everything, including like if you grab, if you give one dog a rag in one hand, the other dog a rag in the other hand, in the other hand, they will try to rip you apart. They will play tug of war with you as a person, and it's it's amazing that. I love their energy. Uh, they keep me going every day. You know, I mean. Uh, Do they ever get out? Do they ever one get? Of them, one of them. Go ahead. One of them ate a sprinkler, and I mean, ate it the entire. You know, the big plastic sprinkler. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't know which one until they went outside to pee, and then I heard. Oh, it was Lucy. Okay. Do they ever get out? Do you have to ever go out and run around the neighborhood and catch them? Oh, dude, you'd be sued for that anymore with pit bulls. Bullies? No, I have to uh, I have to watch them. It's like, okay, you guys play, you know. And and when we're not there, they go in the in the kennels. And it's, you know, but they're they're such friendly, loyal dogs. They, they're, not, they're the nicest dogs to kids and stuff. And, you know, I'm trying to dispel that rumor. I'm actually writing a book right now about the, to dispel the rumors. It's a children's book. It's going to be called uh, Pig Dog. <laughs> and, uh, she lays on her back. Her belly's all pink, and when she, at night she snorts. When she's, uh, she's just a, she looks like a little pig. You know. I have a, a I've got a dog who's a mostly lab, but a little pit. And and people will come up to me when I'm walking him, and he's a little nippy. I don't let people get. If he knows you, he's the friendliest yeah. guy in the world. But until he knows you, he'll kind of he kind of check you out. And if you the first time you try to pet him, he does that. You know that little nip thing they do, where they're just running along and he's kind of, and uh, he'll do that to people. But uh, when so I tell two front, the four front teeth, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And I tell people, they go, "What kind of dog is that?" And I go, oh, "He's a chocolate lab." And they go, oh, and they go in a little pit, and I go, Hoo! you know." So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we have to tell people like if uh, if we're taking the dog on the road with us, like, uh, "Do you, do you guys have pets in the hotel?" Like, "Yes." What breeds? They're like, "It's a terrier." <laughs> <laughs> it's you almost have to do it a pit bull, like uh, we were talking earlier about how. Anyone from Iran is not from Iran. They're from Persia. I'm Persian, buddy. I'm Persian. You always have to do it with the pit bull. You can't admit they're pit bulls. <laughs> so you and do you travel on the road with your wife? Sometimes, you know, and like she would have loved to come to this one. Most of the time, like I, I do uh, uh, all of uh, Rick Brunson's rooms, and he's, he's, you know, just one of the best club owners in the, in the world, I think. Like, you know, he gets it, and like he treats comics like royalty, and you could see that. You really can, and, and you know. So my wife's been with me to Edmonton. She's been with me to Minneapolis, and uh, she's yet to come to the, the Scottsdale location. But that's next on her calendar. She, yeah. You know, but yeah, she'll travel with me. Like I might go to Spain or something and do shows there. So Spain, Spain, yeah. They get you in Spain, brother. Oh, I did a giant thing for this entrepreneurs organization. These uh, it was like a billionaires club, and. Uh, I got to meet some of the most amazing people, and all my job was to do was to bring them up, say a couple of jokes about each one of the uh, speakers. And one of the guys was uh, uh, 
he was the guy that survived in the, uh, the Uruguayan soccer uh, team that crashed into the Andes Mountains. Yeah. You remember that movie called Alive? Sure. Yeah, so he Made was me hungry guy. watching that, but go ahead. His name was Nando Parada, right? And he was a real interesting dude. And I watched his uh, his keynote speech, and he was just uh, talking about how difficult it was. And for 75 days, we were up on the mountain, and he was just really a, a, an explosive speaker with uh, all the, you know. So I, he said, and at the end of it, we everybody's in tears. I, he goes, any questions? I will take questions from the audience. And I raised my hand. I said, so would you eat first? And uh, <laughs> he goes, wait, wait for this, though. I said, and he goes, you know what? I have never been asked that. That is a very important question. I guess it was the pilot because he was the one that got us there in the first place. <laughs> I'm like, what? What? I felt like such a hero, you know? So then I'm walking through the line and everybody's getting a book. I'm, I'm, I want this guy's autograph. And he gives me this book and he writes in there, Hey, Jerry, it was a pleasure to meet you, and thank you for asking that important question. Please turn to page 167. Ha ha. And I open it, and it says, I guess it was the pilot that we ate first. I'm like, dude, he just set me up. <laughs> <laughs> I put the ball on the tee for him. That's all I did. It was, it was a very cathartic moment. <laughs> so Spain, man. Spain, uh, other places in Europe? Uh, that's in Barcelona. Ah, okay, all right. Uh, uh, I've done shows uh, like in the craziest places that take me to Istanbul, Turkey, or you know, I, I do a lot of shows for the Middle East, and uh, I think I'm going to cancel this year's tour though. It's look, it's looking a little crazy now. You live in Texas, but you live in uh-huh. Austin, Texas. Austin. Yes, which is kind of a, um, it's a little. People in Texas pride themselves on their individuality and being a little different, and Austin oh, yeah. is is different. It's different than the rest of Texas. It's very individual and very different. So it is, and everybody's moving there. So we actually, our slogan is uh, "Welcome to Austin. Don't forget to leave." It, you know, it, it, it's one of those places. I, you know, I'll tell you uh, real quick, Jr. Way back uh, when the building boom was happening here in Phoenix in uh, 2005, 2006, and I bought a house here as an investment, which turned out to be a terrible investment. But I kept the house, and now we live in it, and it's a great mm-hmm. deal. You know, sometimes you just got to wait things out. But I was talking yeah. with uh, a real estate money person, like kind of a real estate hustler, and I told him I was just buying a house, and their jaw just kind of dropped. Look at me, and go, Tony. We're taking all of our money out of here, and we're moving it to Texas. So uh-huh. uh, somehow Austin has become. I know it's got a building boom. Um, I have um, relatives who live in Tyler, Texas, which is near Austin. Yeah. 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 So is it is that changing? Live in the middle of it, of the of the I call it the blue dot in the middle of the reddest state. And is it remaining the blue dot as people move in, or is it becoming bluer? Uh, it's it's kind of getting purple, uh, in my opinion. I mean, it's melding. I, I used to live on the edge of that, which I call the purple ring, where, where blue meets red. I would tell people how to get to my house. i go, it's easy to find. It's the only one on the left. But, you know, I would... <laughs> but, you know, that's the one thing about Texas is, you know, we, we do actually talk politics, and it's okay to have disagreement, you know, because... Sometimes you can find out a little bit about each other just by talking to through, you know. Absolutely. Um, uh, we were talking about it right before uh, uh, you called in about, um, I, I post a lot of quips and stuff on my Facebook page and whatever, yeah. and uh, I have I have a lot of uh, liberal friends, and, and you know, I'm known for being a liberal, but I, 
I have a lot of, and what sometimes surprises my liberal friends, I have a lot of conservative friends. I have alt-right friends. I have hard-right friends, you know, and, uh, yeah. um, and we'll get in some pretty spirited debates, but then every once in a while, someone will just show up like a drunk in a bar, go, yeah. you libtards, and it's, it's always <laughs> libtard. It's like, man, you guys, you need to come up with a new slogan, you know, like I create, yeah. I, thought, I think I create a con pub for conservative Republicans, <laughs> and that drives them crazy. But are you telling me, now what you're telling me is, because a lot of people don't live in Texas, I'm going to get to a question here, a lot of people don't live in Texas and are just looking at Texas, think that it's some sort of, uh, uh, if you go down there and you're liberal, they're going to lynch you, they're going to hang you, uh, they're going to run you out of town, that everybody's running around with KKK hats on. But you're telling me that there's real conversations between the right and the left among Texans. Yeah, but you've got to get out, like I said, on the purple ring. It's uh, it's not inwards. Uh, the the you know the, the they feel like it's a last bastion. It's amazing how you can go in into Austin and hear people with zero Southern accent because they're not from the South. Yeah, you know, it's like wow. And I mean, I literally heard two guys arguing on the street downtown Sixth Street using the phrase "you guys, you guys," and I go, "Hey, screw y'all." <laughs> Matter of fact, screw both of y'all. I go. Embrace the y'all. You're here now, you know. And, uh, <laughs> but I, yeah, it's it's it can be it can be uh, like here's what happened uh, during the election. I know this for a fact that ninety percent. This was the first time this ever happened in the history of voting. Ninety percent of Austin residents uh, voted. You know, registered voters uh, voted early, and I guarantee you they all voted for Hillary. And I guarantee you too that a hundred percent of those votes were taken out back crumpled up, set fire in a trash can while the rest of Texas held hands. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously that blue and, and then that contrasting red. You know. Oh, my. But we, we got a ways to go, but... Uh, well, I always, you know, still home. I always enjoyed my uh, time in Texas, and, and what's always a little shocking to people, and uh, um, I'm sure that you run into this, is how important Texas has been to... Uh, the modern comedy era, you know, and I, I count the modern comedy era starting, you know, like around the late, sometime with Saturday Night Live, which was, you know, not a comedy show, but kind of, oh, yeah. and, and then moving into the late 70s, early 80s, guys started to open up clubs, how important and how many great comics have come out of Texas, that Sam Kinison came out of Texas, Bill Hicks came out of Houston, Texas. Houston, Dallas, Austin, uh, I mean, really, where the big boom for me, I think, was, uh, came out of Houston, the Outlaws, like you're saying, and you know, before I did comedy, I was invited. I actually knew uh, Steve Hicks. I knew Bill Hicks's brother before I did comedy. I was a T-shirt designer, and I did an Elvis T-shirt, uh, and I was trying to sell him to Steve, who was working at Hastings Books and Records. He's like, "Man, my brother would love this shirt." I go, "I don't know who your brother is." He goes, "Well, you like comedy?" I wasn't even a comic then. He, I said, "I love comedy." He goes, "You ever heard of Sam Kinison?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, he's that new guy that screams." And he goes, "Well." going to love my brother even more and i said really he goes yeah he gave me these tickets and i was in my mind thinking wow you know i would love to do comedy sometime and i watched bill hicks at uh, the last stop in austin and i immediately said i could never do that i could never do that and then three days later i went to an open mic downtown austin and i watched that open mic and i went oh i could do that yeah <laughs> that was my inspiration and then i met all these in Incredible comics that would come in from Houston down to the Velveeta Room doing weekend time. Uh, Charlie Shannon, T. Sean Shannon, Riley Barber, uh, Carl LeBeau. You know, the, the list goes on. And the same thing with Dallas. You know, I, I would start meeting guys like Robert Hawkins and um, 
you know, Bill Ingvall, and, and yeah. just amazing comics. And Ron White, you know, he'd come into town and say, hey, JR, you want to be the guy that carries me in my room tonight? You know, because he was <laughs> too drunk to when I uh, when I when I owned uh, Joker's, uh, Ron White used to headline. This is back before he blew up, you know. And mm-hmm. but he was still he was a very funny guy. And um, uh, I wouldn't be at the club all the time. But I always told the manager uh, we had a Sunday night show. I went I, I went Ron. He's going to ask you uh, to pay him early. Do not pay him early. And they go, why not? I go, because I guarantee you, I go, I go. look, this dude just wants to be home with his family. I said, he's going to have all the stuff packed. His car is going to be in the parking lot of the club. He's already going to be out of the condo. And the minute he walks off stage, he's not signing autographs or anything on Sunday night or selling anything. Right. He's running straight, making a beeline to the car and headed right home. And if you pay him early, he'll go short. And invariably, <laughs> invariably, he would, I call up at the club and I go, and I go, I go, what's going on? I go, well, it's a little crazy right now because the waiter's still running around. I go, did you pay him early? He go, he was really insistent, man. And he would do a half hour on Sunday night and just get the hell out. And bail. <laughs> <laughs> you warned him. <laughs> I did. I warned him, but, you know, still, you know, he's a, he's a bit. There's so many great guys coming you know, in so many different eras. There was that Outlaws that came out of, you know, and, uh, um, and then, uh, you know, he came out of Texas. Uh, a lot of comics that people don't know the names of, Ron Schock and Riley Barber. And uh, I, I still do the greatest Ron Shock impression on the planet. I'd love to hear that. Okay, this is Ron uh, as the features on stage. He goes up to the club manager. So, at what time does the feature come down? <laughs> uh, I don't know about. I don't know why, Ron. Because I need to time my buzz. <laughs> <laughs> a man shot. They shot himself with a shotgun. In the, and they called it suicide. I can't even do the bit. Remember that long <laughs> bit he had about how it was impossible to be a suicide, yet somehow they called it a suicide? I don't remember the bit, but it's just, he, I worked with him in Alabama, and he goes, you know, I work with a lot of guys, J.R., but you're a hoot. <laughs> so, to this day, I tell any of my friends that know Ron, they're like, oh, you're a hoot. <laughs> Well, you know, interesting, what, what time does the feature come down? I mean, most people, what time is the feature going to stop? What time is he going to get off? That's a very kind of Texas kind of idiosyncrasy. What time does the feature yeah. come down? Yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, Johnny Hardwick was another one that a lot of people aren't familiar with his name unless they were fans of King of the Hill. He was a stand-up comic that we thought was going to explode. He was he, he grew out of Austin, lived on Rainy Street, and... Uh, um, all of a sudden, he became Dale Gribble on King of the Hill, the voice for Dale Gribble. Well, he's counting his money. He's counting. Oh, it. yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. You know, it's so funny. He's like, I know where he lives. You know, that's his voice. But if you know him personally, he's doing an impression of his brother, just his redneck brother. <laughs> hey, I know where you live, and I need some money. You know. <laughs> Like I said, man, so many great guys came out of Texas. Some of them are gone. I mean, you know, my my friends and influences from that era. We have uh, were uh, of course Scheidner and Hicks and Rich Jenny. Those are my pals, yeah. and, and uh, unfortunately, two of my closest friends from that era. You know, uh, we have a picture of Rich Jenny hanging up on a wall here, and uh, we're actually going to be promoting Scheidner in town sometime next mm-hmm. month. But um, he's an awesome, awesome comic, man. He's one of the best. You know, he took ten years off. He did, one day he told me he goes, he goes, I don't want to, I don't want to go on the road anymore. I'm be home. And I go, well, I says that's actually what you're good at. And uh, <laughs> and uh, 
he, he wanted to be a writer, and he wrote on sitcoms for a long time. And then one day he called me up and he goes, I'm uh, thinking about going back on the road again. And we brought him out here, and, and now he tours. He wrote a great book. Uh, you might you yeah. you would love that book if you read it, Kicking Through the Ashes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a. I, I yeah. I've also read I Killed, which was a great book about comic stories. Have you read that one? Yeah, well, I, I read that one. I, I tell you a, a quick funny story is that he uh, he I, he and uh, not Mark Schiff, but another guy who was working with him on the book came up to the house one day when I still live in Los Angeles and go uh, tell us some stories. Tell us, I go I go you know I said I got a daughter who's a teenager. I go any interesting stories that I have uh, I don't want written down. <laughs> so we're <laughs> gonna so true. we're gonna avoid. I don't think I have anything to be able to beat the, somebody. This Chris Rock story you got in here. Any of these, these uh, weird outlandish stories, I go, so, I said, some of this is going to my grave. And she, Rich went, yeah, I'll get you, I understand. Okay, right, fine. You won't be in a book. Uh, <laughs> I have two two of those particular, uh, working with uh, Ray Romano and Ron White. I said, if you ever get famous, I'm telling this story. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I do. And it's uh, it's always a pleasure for me just to go, yeah. So there's a little peeling back the mask for you. You just, you just saw behind the curtain. What's your Ray Romano story, man? I can't tell that on the air. <laughs> Well, you know what? Then we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to try to pop down and see you this weekend. Uh, once again, ladies and gentlemen, uh, uh, we are talking with uh, uh, the very funny J.R. Brow, a guy who I had the pleasure of uh, meeting and knowing at the beginning of his career, and you've just grown and grown. He is at Rick Bronson's House of Comedy tonight for two shows, Saturday for two shows, Sunday for one show. You are doing the Sunday show, right? Yes. And you're not you're not leaving early. You're not getting off stage after a half hour like Ron White. Well, if they pay me. <laughs> and uh, it's easy to access uh, tickets uh, you could write if you're uh, listening right now on comedyschoolsradio.com just click the link there or go to comedyschools.com or go to houseofcomedy.net google house of comedy you'll be able to find tickets who's your who's working with you this weekend do you know the names of the guys yes yes uh, amazing and always hilarious ron Mori. sure uh, and uh, he's all local now. He had lived in L.A. for 16 years. And a local guy by the name of uh, Andy, uh, God, what is it? So easy. Andy Steinberg. Andy Steinberg, very funny guy. I know both these guys very well. Hysterical. It's, uh, yeah, it's such a good lineup, man. I mean, we had, like, we had people coming up to us last night going, man, it was all three of you that were funny. That, and that's what they were. I, we, I love hearing that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know what I used to hate is when you'd be standing there and they'd be really... Shaking some comics and go, you were great. And they'd look over you and go, and, and, and you were good too. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was in my early days. I, I opened for uh, 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 no, actually, I, I was uh, headlining, and Doug Stanhope was the feature. Yeah, I was in, uh, I was in uh, Lubbock, Texas, and we get off stage, and I, you know, Doug Stanhope's just this greatest guy. He's got the stories and the fab and the fever, you know, and I. He just destroyed me, and I could not follow him. And I hands down admitted that, right? And we became close friends since then. But that night, I remember him sitting at the bar, and this girl comes up to him, and she's like, You were so funny. You you should have been the headliner. And I'm like, And you should have waited at least till I walked 10 more feet away before you said that. <laughs> Dude, I, he was uh, an opening act for me in, in San Francisco uh, right, wow. right around that time. And I actually called the booker and went, you have made a mistake here. I go, this kid should not be featuring, and he should not be featuring for me, 
But I go, this guy is funny. I'm not saying fire him. That would be wrong. But don't ever do this to me again. He's just up there. I don't know what he's doing. He's conjuring shit. And uh, oh, it would. <laughs> he found his voice earlier than any of us. Yeah, yeah. He just he just hit it, man. He just hit it. You know, and he lives out here. He lives in uh, Bisbee. He lives in a, a trailer uh, in Bisbee, right. Arizona. You know, he's he's just he's such a unique uh, unique individual. Listen, buddy, we got to run. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. I'm going to try to pop down this weekend, yeah. especially because I want to hear that Ray Romano story. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> and I want to see you on stage live. Uh, JR, I want to thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your morning to call us, buddy. You're welcome, Tony. It's good to hear you again, man. All right, man. We'll hear each other again. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back on ComedySchoolsRadio.com.